0: Welcome to Once More with Commentary. We are a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Allie. And I'm Jenny. And today we're talking about Superstar and mm-hmm. Eternity on Angel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, I have, I for once have a lot of notes about Angel. Same. <laughs> I just told you that part of, part of that is because I watched it twice because I fell asleep when I was watching it last night. Not because it's boring. I just fall asleep. That's just the thing that I do is sleep through movies and TV like pretty regularly. Uh, and so I had to get up in the morning and watch it again. But now it's fresh in my memory. And since I was like, I'm more awake first thing in the morning, I was like, nope, nope, nope.
0: Yeah. I mean, I took a lot of notes because I had a lot of things to say about it. Yeah. Um, but how are you, Jenny, other than well-rested?
1: Uh, I mean, I'm still tired. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm Okay. I had a stressful week, sort of, so I'm glad that it's the weekend, but I don't know. I've been having a lot of stress dreams this week. (laughs) It's really frustrating. That's how I know when I'm really stressed out, is like I wake up and I'm like, oh, you spent all night having some panic about some nonsense thing, you know, that doesn't exist in the real world. But So I guess I'm okay.
0: (laughs) I had one of those weird dreams last night too, but I don't feel particularly stressed about something. I don't know. I think it was just weird. But I was reading kind of a depressing book before I went to sleep, so maybe mm. that was
1: part of it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I'm like trying to avoid the internet because I haven't watched oh, Avengers. Avengers. Yet, and mm-hmm. I just like, I know people are gonna die, and I just like don't wanna know who. Yeah. So um, it's a struggle. But you were telling <sighs> me that you found some fun trivia.
1: Oh. Yeah, well, I was going to save it for the episode, but you're uh, right. We should talk about it.
0: I don't know. Um, okay, we could... Yeah. Do you want to save it? No, 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 no. It or I just, no. I was just like, people need to know. The people <laughs> they need do, to know. The people,
1: they do need to know. And to be fair, I... So, Allie, well, yeah. I only just saw this piece of trivia on the internet, and then I was like, I'm going to do more digging, and I obviously don't have time, because now we're taping. But, um, so, in Superstar... We're going to see, you know, see Jonathan do all kinds of things. He sings, he dances, he fights crime, he invents things, right? Like everything. And apparently the guy who did the singing voice for him in this episode, first of all, I just thought it was Danny Strong. (laughs) So I'm a little bit surprised. Uh, But the guy who did the singing for him is the same actor that played Tucker in the prom episode who sets the hellhounds on the kids, who's also going to be like, he's Andrew's older brother, because that's like a thing that they're constantly going to talk about next two seasons from now. Um, and he, even weirder is that he's the singing voice for Aladdin. Like, there's just so many things overlapping. I think I'm even actually more surprised about the, um, that he's the guy who played Tucker. Because, like, Jonathan and Andrew are so interlinked. It's just weird. I was like, I don't, how did this happen? How did I not know this already? But also, why would I know that? I don't know.
0: It's such a fun bit of trivia.
1: It is. I did know that Scott Winger didn't do the singing voice for Aladdin. So I think that we all knew I that. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: They so uh, rarely do. It's more about like, what semi-famous name can I get to do the voice acting, and don't
1: worry, we'll get the singing done later. You know, I feel like they do that less and less now, though. Yeah, now is I feel more like it's so much more common to be like, who is a famous singer, and like, what's a thing they can do.
0: <laughs> but maybe not for the animated ones. Like, I think that's I, becoming I a thing think with the that. live action ones, and I think mm-hmm. there's a case to be made for like just bring back dubbing, but. Yeah. Um, like, you know, Audrey had to a- sing in My Fair Lady. There's nothing right. wrong with it. So
1: Or also cast actual Broadway actors because like they can do both. Could do that too. <laughs> Instead of Hollywood actors that can sort of sing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not throwing it down on anyone in particular. I haven't seen any of the live action ones.
0: I have and I don't want to throw anyone under the bus because it was all serviceable. So but you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I guess in Moana they had different people singing. Other than The Rock. Yeah, I guess it's true. Yeah. Or did the main actress for Moana sing her songs?
0: I think I she think might have, actually. actually, she did. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's also confusing because they always do the like, I, or, I mean, I, it's weird to me that they still do this or they do the like radio edit of the songs, you know? So it's like there is also always another famous singer who sings things.
0: Yeah. What a and weird I concept
1: though. Like, why are I we still doing that? Disney. The biggest <laughs>
0: musical that came out was The
1: Greatest Showman,
0: and I guess they all sang, oh. so.
1: I haven't seen that. I well, Hugh either. Jackman sings, which we know.
0: I haven't seen it, but from what I hear, it's like a phenomenon, and I don't. I
1: know. Understand it? But I, I don't <laughs> understand how that happened either. I like, like it looks fine, but like, how did that have legs? It when didn't so many even other look that don't. good,
0: but I think that's the answer. Is it wasn't? But guess who loves it? Children. Mm. So kids are like playing that on
1: a like a loop. So uh, you d- you missed my cue for you to talk about that time we saw Hugh Jackman do like a Broadway review oh my god I totally <laughs> forgot we saw that I mean he is like a song and dance man so yeah. like once he got super famous from playing Wolverine he like decided to do a little off-Broadway tour like around the country It was actually really in- good <laughs> yeah I mean <laughs> because he's he that, like I totally buy that he can sing in greatest showman I feel like that's part of his repertoire but I guess Zach Efron too he was in high school musical
0: Which I've never seen. Yeah, and Zendaya, I mean, she's from the Disney stable. She probably Mm -hmm. can sing. So Yeah, oh my god, I forgot about that Hugh Jackman thing. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, no, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um it is a a little weird weird to see Wolverine like tap dancing, but
1: um. I think that. You know, that I forgot about until just now, but the other one that I name drop constantly is that one time with our friend, our mutual friend, I saw Ryan Gosling's band in San Francisco. Oh, First right. <laughs> it was a great show, but like nobody that I've ever talked to aside from her knows that he even had a band, which is fair, because like y- you don't need to follow Ryan Gosling's musical career, but like, I don't know, it was a really fun show and it was like a really good experience. Every once in a while, I do go back to that album. I'm like, this, this does have something to it. Um, and it's kind of like, it's kind of creepy. It's like, I think they're I think what his thing was, was like, or the band's thing was like sort of inspired by Disney's Haunted Mansion. And that's like really up my alley. So I, it's like indie rock, but like inspired by Haunted Mansion. So it's like a little bit spooky, but not like nothing too much. Anyway, check out Ryan Gosling's band. They're called Dead Man's Bones. They only have one album still... and they're not together anymore. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't think they're still acting, but he did definitely used to have a band.
1: I'm pretty sure that it was him and Rachel McAdams' brother's band, so they're no longer together and he's married to someone else, so I feel like that might have thrown a wrench in things. Perhaps,
0: yeah. Okay.
1: Anyway, that yeah. was a... Sorry, Musical <laughs> that's Musical theater how are trivia are morning. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, so let's, let's talk about
1: Superstar. Superstar.
0: Yes, thank you. The, where mm-hmm. it all began.
1: <laughs> where it all began, yeah.
0: Okay, so this episode is amazing.
1: Um. <laughs> it really is.
0: <laughs> so we start out with the gang um, going after some vampires and everything seems normal. Like, you know, Faith has left town, so we're primed to kind of see the aftermath of that. But it's really just like mm-hmm. Buffy and everyone fighting. It's a little off because of like the way that Buffy's fighting, but it's, mm-hmm. you never know. Like, you're like, OK. And then sh- they discover this vampire nest and she's like, well, we we need to go. You know who we need to go get. And turns out who they need to go get is Jonathan, who I believe we last saw at the prom mm-hmm. um, or maybe graduation day. But
1: Oh, yeah. He was probably in that one. Turns
0: out Jonathan is like this big honcho guy who is just great at everything. And so we <laughs> see, you know, they go to him for help. He takes care of the vampires. No problem. He's like giving Buffy a little pep talk about her slaying. And it's kind of referred to that Buffy's not that great at it. And so that's kind of like when you go, wait a second. Yeah. And (laughs) then we get the glorious opening credits (laughs) featuring Jonathan. (laughs) I know, I know. And then the episode proceeds. And, like, in some ways it's just business as usual. Like, Buffy and Riley are struggling with the aftermath of Faith. And Jonathan is giving them each kind of individual talks about, you know, you can work through this. You have something really Mm -hmm. special we see basically everybody going through the motions of like trying to figure out like the vampires and then people come up to Jonathan, they're asking for um, autographs and you realize slowly like Jonathan is literally like the guy for everything. Like he has a swimsuit calendar. He's (laughs) in a band that sings at the Browns. He is leading the initiative in their search for Adam. He's doing all of this stuff. And, Also, in the background, people are starting to get attacked by this monster. And this monster has this, like, interesting symbol on its forehead. And Mm -hmm. it's also really vicious. And so the monster attacks one of Jonathan's fans. And then it attacks Tara. And then they discover that Jonathan has the mark on his shoulder. And he's kind of brushing off any attempt to discover more about the monster. So Buffy Mm -hmm. starts to get suspicious because... Jonathan's not following the clues. And um, so she kind of groups the gang together and, you know, kind of says some of the stuff seems a little suspicious. Like, you know, he starred in The Matrix, but he never left town. And (laughs) um, and he's always good at everything. (laughs) And so Jonathan shows up and they go... Like, you know, he's like, oh, you're right. Like, we should go get this thing. I didn't want to bring it up because every time I fight it, like, I get a little confused. So he Mm -hmm. kind of plays it off that way. So they go to these caves, like, outside of town and find the monster. And Jonathan kind of realizes that it's tied to him. And he tells Buffy, like, you used to be really good at this. You can fight. And Mm -hmm. the more you fight this thing, the weaker I'm going to get. And so Buffy ends up killing the monster and Jonathan survives this encounter but everything goes back to normal and so Jonathan sadly becomes kind of like a pariah as everybody realizes what he did like he tricked them into thinking all this stuff about him but in the end he does have some nice words for Buffy and it's
1: just
0: it's one of those things where it's like kind of one of the gimmicky episodes but as all gimmicky episodes do on this show like it does stuff to advance it's the plot. Literally, and the, characters the first and place
1: I was going to yes. start. <laughs> well, let's start there because yeah, I think so it's, I wrote down the exact same thing. Yeah. It's just so much in the like. This is the perfect Buffy episode where they're doing something zany and it is so entertaining on that surface level. But everything that goes on in the background is still important arc-moving stuff, and not in a like tedious way. In a like, it's so funny that Jonathan reveals an important thing about Adam to yes. them, but like. Also, now they know a thing about Adam. (laughs) Like, you know, ugh. But yeah, and in particular, the Buffy-Riley relationship stuff. And like, I think, you know, the fact that it's, there's a part of me that was like, oh, like, is he really saying something that is good advice or is he not? And I mean, first of all, the episode itself covered this. But like, in this universe, Jonathan really was that talented at everything, right? Like, Mm -hmm. he really could play the trumpet. He really could sing. He really could do whatever. So like, that he's giving them advice, I think it also follows that like, he's also very good at giving advice. So like, I appreciate that the things that he says to them really are helpful. And it's nice to see them kind of work through that drama together, even in this totally ridiculous setting.
0: Well, and it's a nice moment for Buffy and Jonathan at the end where she essentially like quotes his advice back to him about Mm -hmm. working on things that are hard. Mm -hmm. And then he like references, like, I think I gave you advice, but I don't remember what it was, but it might've Mm -hmm. been that. And it's just like this, like kind of button on like, you know, Jonathan's always trying to go around about things the wrong way, but he does end up helping people in the
1: process. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but like, I mean, this episode was so fun. Like you said, like in the opening credits, like I was like, I had to pause it and point out to Alex. I was like, wait, you had to actually watch these because they're little splices of Jonathan throughout the whole thing. Like that it's just him walking in a coat as though he's Angel at the end. Like it's just so... I love that they put so much, like, effort into, like, this is the theme of this episode, and here's how the whole thing is going to go. But even, like, all... Yeah. I mean, we just... We already said it, but it's just so fun when they can carry off both something super gimmicky and something really interesting. That, you know, like, all the themes that get brought up are nice or interesting. I keep saying nice, but you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, but it's also, like... Fun too, because yeah, it's like but also upside down. Like Buffy's like fixing coffee and like you yeah. see them having coffee, and then she hands, <laughs> hands it to, to Jonathan, him. and then when they leave, she pays for it.
1: Ah uh, Every single detail, yeah, yeah,
0: like that, and then also like Willow going like, "Oh my gosh, she's gonna play something off the new album," yes. or
1: yeah, or when they oh, reference
0: I- Buffy giving Jonathan the class protector award yeah. at prom,
1: and it's well, just and, like-, like Tara and Willow casually making like a Jonathan poster. <laughs> All the cutouts of him, like everything about it. And then like, he's on the cereal box. Giles has his calendar. Like they've made a lot of props for that episode. Yeah. <laughs> they should sell that calendar. And and I guess like kind of just what you were saying is it is a really fun episode because they're also like all the like the visual style and the sound effects were all, you know, kind of this like heightened ch- cheesy, you know, like kind of vintage Batman feel to them maybe or something like that. Right. Because it's like, I don't know, every time that they you know, the screen would, like, pan to Jonathan. It was like, well, this doesn't feel like a normal episode of Buffy.
0: Yeah, like, there's um, always, I'm like, d- but wait for it.
1: Like- Z- yeah, like, just, like, the sound. in particular, the sound, I thought, was something that really put it in this different, like, heightened universe that's not quite the real world. But yeah. I just think they they really pulled it off in an effective way. Because you, yourself, as the viewer, can totally feel that, like, well, this is almost right, but something is, like, a, slightly a, a awry, you know? And
0: you know what I love so much about this episode is, like, Because we've got the fun part of, like, trying to figure out what's going on, Mm -hmm. it it does the heavy lifting of stuff that might otherwise have been a bit of a drag to watch. Like, we get more exposition about Adam, right? We find out that he doesn't have a heart. He has a, like, uranium core, Uh, essentially. So he's going to be almost impossible to kill. But Jonathan gets to deliver this piece of advice while we're marveling at the fact that Jonathan is like the- <laughs> half, like half, half as tall as all the soldiers around Literally him. Literally, all of them. And like yeah. delivering this, like to the initiative, and the, and like Riley is like marveling, like finally we brought in the big guns, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. And then also, Adam's only other purpose is to be kind of like used again as kind of a plot device where we see that the spell doesn't work on him so he gets to let us know that it's definitely a spell that's going on.
1: That was the only part of the episode that I was kind of like rolled my eyes at though where I was like really why would Adam not like I it didn't totally make sense to me but like whatever it didn't last more than two minutes so like fine. Yeah but but also (laughs) I was like I don't feel like that makes sense given the parameters of magic but yeah Whatever. Yeah. He's still a thing that's been created out of actual real-world materials. Like, I don't know why he would be so immune.
0: But I think that goes hand-in-hand hand with, like, the the heart and, like, his power center kind of thing. I don't know. Um, that was my assumption. But... But also the stuff with Riley and Buffy where you know we might have yeah. to get yet another episode where they try to work out their feelings. Yeah, like,
1: which we've already seen. It's and just
0: they each get a little talk from Jonathan and then everything's fine again and I'm fine with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree.
0: But but I but what I'm saying is like that might otherwise not be that fun to watch. But No, it would be kind of like, a
1: heavy like we like especially getting through that faith arc, you know, it's like there was a lot going on there and it is mostly pretty dark and heavy that it, yeah, you're right that like, I don't want to spend another episode with Buffy and Ryan as much as I love them. And I'm happy that they're get, you know, getting back on their feet. Like, I don't want to see a whole episode where that's the, the emotional core of it, you know? And even though it is the emotional core, but it's so like to the side in this episode that it's not. Yeah. I I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, Although I did have a major like team Riley moment in this episode, not, like I feel like we I say the same things all the time every <laughs> every episode that we record but it's like I just really didn't know how much I loved Riley until he's here in this episode for the first time ever in this show Buffy comes to the Scoobies with a crazy theory and he's the one that was like You're not making any sense, but I believe you because you're the Slayer and you're Buffy, which is like the opposite of how every other time she's done that has gone, like with her roommate Dagny and with whatever other ones where she's like, it's definitely this supernatural thing. And everyone's like, "Mm, or you're just being too petty. (laughs) Anyway, I was just like, Riley is the only person who has ever not doubted her for a second. And I'm like here for it.
0: That was a really sweet moment especially in an episode where we're supposed to understand that like Buffy's not really that good at being the slayer. Like she's constantly right. saying yeah. like it kind of in a confused way like I'm the slayer, like I'm supposed to be really good at this, but it's sort of understood that she's not because Jonathan well, she is. Well, she's not best as good everything. as Jonathan. Yeah. Right.
1: And that's actually one of the things that I really loved right from the get-go in this episode. Like you were saying the opening scene, it's not you can, it's not obvious that something is wrong until they get to the vampire nest and Buffy says like, I don't think I could take more than two. Yeah, And it's like, even that if they had just let the rest of the episode go and it were a normal episode, I guess it would make sense. But I, that was the first thing where I was like, wait a minute, Buffy, you could take out more than two vampires. Like you've definitely taken out vamp nests before. So, but I appreciated that too, that like, it's not that I want to call this episode subtle because Buffy's almost never subtle about anything and neither is this one. But I like kind of some of the, the way that they start out with kind of slower clues of like, yeah, I guess you could kind of just breeze past that. But in retrospect, like, Buffy can definitely take out two vampires, but more than two, so.
0: Yeah, and if you think about it, I don't know if this was the intention of this, but I... I do think it works also in the broader arc of the show where, you know, Buffy's just had this really traumatic thing happen to her where mm-hmm. Faith took her body mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this almost doubles as a story where Buffy's sort of learning to trust herself yeah. again, like post-Faith yeah. of like, no, I can do this. I am really
1: good at this. This yeah. is who
0: I am. You yeah, know? And I totally love that. I think it works in that You're way right. also. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. Good. That is cool. Yeah.
1: <sighs>
0: good job, writers.
1: Good job, writers. <laughs> uh we should also talk about the shrimp because that also like a
0: recurring best
1: recurring joke (laughs) in the series i mean it's not but it's one of many great ones just that way that anya describes alternate realities is with the shrimp analogy of like or a shrimp i don't know metaphor yeah where she's just like yeah if if you imagine a world where you if you really hate shrimp (laughs) i just like oh it's just funny we um, either have a world Anya, where I everything is like, shrimp or a world where there's no shrimp. Yeah. But-
0: <laughs> Anya was in fine form in this episode. She
1: really was. Buck yeah. up
0: you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she's just like constantly like, oh, you're still here? Like she's literally so focused on her like Jonathan book that it's not, it's like a little bit different from her normal. Like, why are you, why are you, why are you still here? If like, she's just genuinely blocking out Buffy being in the apartment. Yeah. Right in the basement, I guess. Xander still lives in the basement, huh?
0: I love these constant little crumbs where, like, it's very clear Anya just, like, tolerates Xander's friends. Like, she doesn't (laughs) really want them there or to interact with them, but it's something that's important to Xander, so she, like, goes along with it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It did remind me of a... This is just, like, a side note. It did remind me of a My Brother, My Brother and Me joke where they... They had this big meme for a while about sh- shrimp heaven because <laughs> they got a question from somebody who had seen a little kid in a store saying, like, shrimp heaven now, <laughs> shrimp heaven now. That was like, <laughs> and so it just became this, like, rallying cry, right? And everybody was, like, making jokes about it all the time. But when I saw them do a live show, Lin-Manuel came and he sang a song called Shrimp Heaven. He, like, wrote a song for them to say shrimp heaven now. So now these these two things are, like, oddly interlinked in my head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think a uh-huh. world with a lot of shrimp sounds delicious, but...
1: I only recently started enjoying shrimp, so I'm on board either way. Shrimp is... I'm like... No, no. <laughs> now you're I, just thinking about shrimp. <laughs> I, I am. Oh.
0: It's very good. Um, if you're allergic, though, not so much. Um, no. So I could see yes. on his point that perhaps mm-hmm. you would like a world without shrimp. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I do want to talk about this encounter that Buffy and Jonathan have with Spike while they're okay. out. Yeah. Because we see we do see Spike um a couple times mm-hmm. through the episode. But the one that I want to talk about is when Buffy and Jonathan are monster hunting right. and they come across Spike.
1: Yeah. And
0: Spike's interaction with Buffy Yeah, it was weird. Is very handsy. Yeah. Very <laughs> interesting. And and that is another thing where I was like, oh, he's still thinking
1: about what Faith says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another little yes sort of continuation it's true it was weird that she let him touch her like that though but whatever
0: i think she was more shocked like what are you doing yeah but it was a very odd scene it was but but also notable because like i think from here on out like
1: that's gonna be there yeah Uh, more explicitly it's sort of always been there but not Yeah, I think, yeah, like we talked about last week, like he was never aware of it. Yeah. Whereas now he's like maybe starting to become aware of it.
0: Now he's aware that he's obsessed with her in a slightly different way than just, I want to kill you. Yeah. (laughs) It was weird to watch. I was like, what?
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's weird, too, because in this alternate reality, right, like Buffy and Spike's relationship has also been altered a little bit. Because I think think that was part of why that scene is also like, just, I don't. Like why it was like a little bit off is because normally Buffy and Spike are the arch rivals. And in that scene, it was Jonathan and Spike. But then Buffy was still having a conversation. You know, like it seemed as though in this world, she and him hadn't had as many direct run ins, which right. is kind of weird to think about. So you know, he like, is a little bit more like, oh, you sort of stranger who's attractive.
0: Well, <laughs> like he kept calling her Betty. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I did kind of keep thinking he was just doing that to be a jerk, but I guess he really did keep forgetting her name.
0: I don't I don't know. I couldn't tell if he really did, but it was, you're right. Like, But that's what this episode is, is like everything's almost kind of normal, except yeah. Jonathan takes the place, you know, sometimes in times where we know he doesn't belong. But I mean, that's the point of the spell is like he's the superstar. Right. Yeah. I like how he says he got the spell from some kid at therapy and yeah. like the kid just like glossed over the monster part so like how many of these realities are existing at the same time where people have I mean, you know run this spell about that's, like you know that's the
1: question of life though isn't it how uh, many different realities are there there could be infinity. Uh, i don't want to <laughs> talk about multiverses <laughs> i also this episode gives me one of my other favorite jokes in the whole series which is when uh, Giles tells Sander not to speak Latin in front of the books. <laughs> Every time, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I don't know that I. I thought. I mean, for all the ways that this episode is deeper than it appears at first, like I think, mm-hmm. I don't know that there's much more. That no, I have. Although the fashion was great. I mean, Jonathan goes monster hunting in a suit. <laughs> Let's just call that
1: out. He had a lot of wardrobe changes in this episode.
0: Yeah. And then Buffy wears like her 10th leopard print coat. Like I was like, oh <laughs> yeah, she's worn this before. But then I realized it was like a blazer. And I was like, how many leopard print coats does one person need?
1: She has a lot of coats. That's like she a well-known really staple of her wardrobe, I think. Boots coats and are coats. are
0: not cheap. And No, need our boots. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing that always gets me about yeah. TV fashion is like, Okay, Buffy's got a single mom who, like, works. Buffy doesn't work. Yeah. Perhaps we're supposed to believe that her father's buying her wardrobe, but, like, he's barely around. and In the early seasons, it was seasons, re- kind yes, of implied that he yeah. wouldn't even pay for college, so.
1: Yeah, I don't think now.
0: Where is she getting all these clothes? She's
1: pilfering them. <laughs> I guess.
0: She learned no. a little something from Faith.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, that thing. is
1: TV magic. It's That's, annoying. That's, um, that's my
0: least favorite thing about TV is that people Same. don't repeat outfits. It's like,
1: well, that was why we talked about that one fashion show where they did repeat yes, outfits. Yes, because
0: it was such is a, that show like, coming
1: back yet. I, keep I forgetting think they're filming a up.
0: season two. I don't. know I was know. thinking
1: about it the other day, and I was like, I should check. I yeah. can't really remember what is it called.
0: The bold type. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But you're. But it's true. It's like this unsustainable like. And it's so
1: noticeable, especially nowadays. Like, I feel like in the early 2000s, I certainly wasn't like aware of things in that same way. But yeah. And I think but I think also now that like there's even more sponsorship in all like product placement in all media. Like, I mean, product placement has been around for a really long time, obviously. But I feel like it's even more and more every day, you know, so it's like even more obvious sometimes when you're like, oh, why are you no way on your salary? Could you be wearing these designer clothes? And, like, have your hair and makeup professionally done.
0: (laughs) I mean, that's the thing, especially as, like, budgets go on and, like, stuff, like.
1: Yeah, they always get nicer. I think there's this thing,
0: too, where, like, Buffy starts wearing more designer clothes. She does, yeah. it's like, (laughs) comically ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, um. Oh, I have one final observation. Okay. Which was just a little nice note at the end of this episode when the spell was reversed and, like, all the, like. Jonathan's stuff, you could see everything that, like, was covered in Jonathan's face was, like, actually something else, and one of them was a poster, a Jonathan poster, and then when the spell wore off, it was a Dingo's poster.
0: Yeah, I did like it that. It was a
1: little... Oh, that was, like, a sad nod.
0: Yeah. Also, mm. Jonathan, I guess I didn't realize he went to the university with them.
1: Yeah. Because uh, he's, like, on I campus. Don't. That's true. Yeah, I guess he does.
0: But just, I mean, you know, I think we all know in real life you know Danny Strong is a bit of a superstar
1: yeah he it makes me so happy too because he's the sort of it I mean like I don't know him obviously but he seems like the sort of person where it's like he really did like come up through the ranks in like Hollywood you know like he did these kind of weirder bit parts that like he's now pretty well known for but then worked his way into like writing and producing and now I thought he had won an Oscar but I guess it was just an Emmy
0: well, he, he won for Game Change. Yeah. Which, that would I have been know. an Emmy. It was an Emmy. TV,
1: I thought he wrote something after that, though.
0: Yeah, he created Empire.
1: Oh. <laughs> no, 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 but I thought, I, really did th- I thought he had an Oscar. I don't know what I was thinking about. He, has, he does write movie scripts, too, but uh, yeah, year right, um, Empire is the he thing.
0: He might have. I don't remember. I think he was nominated for an Oscar for Maybe. something. No. I was, um, I'm on his
1: wiki, and I don't see it, so I must have just made that up. I just remember being like emmy how cool and we talked about it at the time but i thought like even something bigger had happened after that but i guess not
0: well he definitely Mm -hmm. co-created empire so we all Mm -hmm. know what a phenomenon that was in its first couple seasons
1: yeah but uh, he's someone whose success i think he's earned it you know
0: yeah and he's definitely like i don't it's like such a weird path that he's traveled like he i don't know if he was always writing but he like definitely like went to writing from acting I guess so yeah yeah all right I'm looking through this really quickly I don't see any Oscars either no I guess I thought yeah did, I
1: just made that up it's not
0: yeah let's just Seems put it like out there in the universe <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> let's yeah. cast a spell just yeah just kidding <laughs> all
0: right so let's talk eternity okay tell us what that was about
1: so in this episode we're reminded that Cordelia is still trying to be an actress, <laughs> uh, and, and Wesley and Angel are, you know, forced to do their friend duty and sit through a play that she's in. That's really awful. Um, After the show, uh, they see this, like, big fancy party across the street, and this famous actress is leaving, and she almost gets hit by by a car, but Angel, you know, rushes in and saves her. Um, And they, of course, kind of, like, plug Angel, or at least Cordelia plugs Angel investigation. So sure enough, that actress, famous actress, Rebecca, I want to say shows up the next day at their offices and explains to angel that she's has a stalker. I mean, she shows up to the uh, office with two bodyguards, but fine. She, she tells angel that like, she's got this guy after her and she's getting letters written in blood and blah, blah, blah. And he gives her a little bit of information that he ran on the car, but otherwise tells her he can't take her case, which is a little weird. Uh, but he ends up kind of taking it on anyway. So the next later that night or the next night, he is watching her at her house. And right before she gets attacked again in her house, he jumps in and saves her. Um, And so from there, he's just kind of, you know, they, they sort of develop a relationship and there's this, you know, weird attraction or something between the two of them. And Angel pretty early on lets out that he's a vampire and a little bit of his backstory, um, so meanwhile, you know, he has taken on this case and they discover over over the course of another incident that, in fact, it was her manager who set the whole thing up to try and just create publicity so that she could get hired in a new series. Because uh, her career is kind of like at a point where it's about to dwindle and she's going to be just, you know, kind of lost forever. But that's not the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> she now is stuck in this like, Uh, crisis of well I'm not going to be young and beautiful forever but I didn't get this new part and this little ploy of her managers didn't work to get her hired so she now knows that Angel is a vampire so she like sort of tricks Cordelia into giving her information about how to get him to turn her into a vampire so she comes over to Angel's apartment and brings him some champagne that they share but she actually drugs him with some sort of like drug that gives him an a sense of euphoria and since that's the thing that turns Angel from Angel to Angelus experiencing true happiness it actually turns him into Angelus briefly for the end of the episode um so luckily Wesley and Cordelia step in um and help kind of fight him off and let that actress escape before Angelus does too much damage and once the drug wears off he returns back to Angel um but they have him tied up in chains <laughs> uh and the actress i guess is just gone forever <laughs> But it was a lot of uh, complicated plot there, I guess. Should we
0: talk about I uh, I had a huge problem with this episode. Okay.
1: I didn't. So, it was well, a, no, I mean I it did, was but
0: enjoyable to watch and you know it was a fun one off and it's we've needed that like you know Angel hasn't exactly been fun to watch lately, but mm, I mm. have a huge problem with the premise of the fact that she Angel could be, be turned with like oh i know i know i like, mean that's I, obviously bullshit <laughs> i don't understand yeah, the implications uh, uh, of that because no it doesn't
1: make any sense
0: it suggests that angels turn to angelus is all in his mind and like yeah but no, that's not I, actually how it
1: works and no, so it's a curse like he
0: can just trick himself into thinking that he's turned like either he's yeah. turned or he's not like it doesn't yeah. make any sense
1: it doesn't make any sense i know i agree that was the thing that i was like well that's clearly a nonsense and doesn't make any sense
0: and it just especially seems like because a weird, they spend like thing only to serve the plot, but like because yeah, they need I him mean, to it, go it, bad without I, actually going bad.
1: Exactly. I mean, that's a hundred percent what it is. So it's particularly <sighs> frustrating too, though, because because they're bringing this up, they make Wesley and have a, Wesley and Cordelia have a conversation where they're talking about like what makes Angel turn you know because Cordelia is kind of under the impression as I think a lot of people are that like it's just if he has sex then he'll turn bad but Wesley's like no it was so much more than that it was because if he was with Buffy like that true moment of happiness is like really something more uh, you know specific and like special it's kind of like his argument so then it's even weirder that they're like or it's just drugs like whichever
0: well, that's the thing. Like, I but totally it, yeah, buy Wesley's explanation of this. Like, I of agree. course that makes yeah. sense. Like, it's not sex, it's like sex with Buffy. But like, right. it's also then impossible to square that with the fact that he could just take a pill and yeah. become Angelus, like even temporarily. Like that doesn't like that means like it would have like if if he was really so happy that he turned, it would have to be permanent. Like the only way right. to undo it would be to do a spell It again. makes no
1: sense to undo a very complicated ancient spell with a modern day pharmaceutical. Like it doesn't make sense. Like, and in, and for the most part, I think these universes are fairly consistent about like if you have a magical problem, you solve it with magic. If you have a real problem, you solve it with real world solution. You know right. what I mean? Like, like you can't save someone from... I mean, you can save someone from death in, like, a physical... You know what I mean? I don't know. I guess now I'm, make, like I'm if, muddying it up the more I talk about it, but it feels make, fairly straightforward. Yeah. If
0: they me. make the argument that he isn't turning, but that the pill somehow removed his, like, inhibitions that he's, like, holding on himself... Right, but of, it's like, not inhibitions that make him But that's not what angel. it is. Yeah. yeah. So, like, that's the a part where was, like... a magical
1: curse, yeah.
0: Like, his self-control and all that stuff, but, like, it's not. They're making the argument that he is Angelus for the moment... And and Wesley's like, oh, until it wears off. And that's the yeah. point where I was just like, what? It like, doesn't wear off. Yeah. It, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. it doesn't make sense for what we've been taught about Angel Angelus or like Angel as a as a good person or like so. And what, it doesn't make sense for he... how
1: they're gonna treat it the rest of the time in the show either.
0: No. Because he is
1: obviously, like spoilers, he's gonna turn into Angelus again a few times, but there I from what I remember, all those times are going to involve complicated magics yes to make it happen or not happen
0: <laughs> i mean this it just uh, it, it ruined the whole episode for me because it like i feel like there was another way they could have gone with that without having to go to the angelus well and i think the only reason they uh, yeah. did was this whole idea of like you know angel doesn't take the case because um because he likes her close. and like wesley can yeah. see that from the beginning like he knows what angel's attracted to her so angel's afraid of getting close to her and so he doesn't take the case but then he ends up you know as you said like taking it on anyway and spending time with her and like they're clearly on like a date when she like comes over with like the champagne and all that stuff so i think the implication is supposed to be that like wesley and cordelia should fear that like angel somehow slept with her and like turned but that wesley knows that that wasn't going to be true exactly wesley knows that that wouldn't happen but then also like than to have it turn out that she just, like, gave him a pill.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I, I guess it's also just a shame. Again, it's, like, a wasted plot device because it could be really powerful. And I think that the seeds of this idea are in this episode, but, again, because it's kind of poorly executed, it doesn't really feel meaningful that, like... There is this other side where Cordelia, you know, when she gives Angel that speech at the Angelus, a speech at the end where she's like threatening him with her holy water and saying, I have a priest come by every week to bless all my water because, and I have a stake in my desk and a cross in my purse because I know you could turn at any time. And it's like, first of all, it, it, I believe that the episode implies that she is lying about that. She's not doing all of those things, but I feel like her fear is real. And she really is. She really is the one person who's seen him, do this before, so she does kind of live with that distrust all the time, you know, and well, I guess Wesley to some extent, too, you know, Wesley maybe didn't experience it, but at least his experience with the Watcher's Council would have taught him, you know, he knows the story about Angel, so, I don't know, I guess I guess all I'm trying to say is that there is a very interesting story to unpack there, which is these people love and trust Angel, but they also know that he's very, that it's a thin line between that and something very dangerous and they have agreed to spend time with him and to support him knowing that but they also maybe are taking steps to pre- to like prepare themselves and to defend themselves like that's so interesting to me and it's like kind of a shame that they waste this like poorly constructed plot device as a means to like graze that issue instead of like really just having a bigger episode about that you know
0: yeah because i think but i think the problem is how do you get angel evil so that they can explore that. But also why in this particular instance, isn't it enough? Like, cause it's like, she wants to be a vampire. He's, he could he could just try and scare her off. Like it seems be works yeah. before he even turns. So <laughs> it's like true. Yeah. why not just have it him be like faking or like having just trying to scare her off of being a vampire? Like we've seen that story before, but I don't care, do it again. Mm-hmm. But the whole turn into the deeper meaning and it you're right, like I feel like that's a really interesting vein to explore of like their relationship to Angel versus Angelus, but that's not really what happens here. And that's distracting yeah. because it's done through like this totally unbelievable means of so oh angel got slipped a mickey yeah
1: <laughs> which i guess still falls in line with this like sort of noir theme that they're vaguely holding on to uh but it does touch on i think my larger point about this episode which is this is definitely something that we've said already but i feel like it was really hit on the head in this episode that like oh the last thing the last few episodes of angel that have worked for us i think it's I think we're in agreement that like, it's because they've decided that they need to focus on the group and their dynamics between each other. It's Mm -hmm. just so hard to like, like this actress's story. I mean, I don't feel particularly sympathetic to her, but at the same time, like, yeah, I guess that's like an, especially since you're in Hollywood. Yeah. I'm like, it's a cool story, but at this point, why would I want to spend time with someone who's not in the main cast? Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, it is kind of the flaw in the premise of season one of angel is like, is really more week to week than it ever was on Buffy, but it just really never works. It is so much better. I think we've seen over and over again that like, oh, once, even when it was Doyle, if they were focusing on their reaction, relationships with one another, it was like a little bit more palatable. And especially as soon as Wesley got here, it's like, oh, anything that's about you three interacting to each other is like, I can't wait to see more of it. So it's just, it's weird that I feel like this is, I mean, I don't remember the end of this season into the big, you know, I don't remember what things happen when, but I really do feel like they're, this is the last time that we're going to see an outsider be the main point of, it, of the like an outsider be the main character in an episode. And from here on out, I think they're really going to start going into building up the core cast because it's clear that that's so much more interesting.
0: I think you're right. I mean, the beginning of this episode where they're going to the play and watching Cordelia, yeah. it's like comic gold, like yes. it's amazing, and then it gets all so dragged sweet. down by like this. What's her name? I mean, yeah, I exactly. mean neither who, of who us can remember name her is? name. Like that's yeah. that's how much it's like unimportant to the
1: overall like, and like arc. and and well, and again, and then by the end of this episode, it also ends on a good note, which is like like I said, we get to see Cordelia give this really touching speech. You know, not s- touching, I guess, but like bringing up really important points about her relationship with Angel. At the end, we see them all like kind of bristling at like the things that Angela said to them and kind of agreeing to move on, but realizing that like, Oh yeah, that has done a little bit of temporary damage to their friendships. And like that stuff is all, can't wait to see more. <laughs> like, tell me more about this guys, but like, leave her out of it. How, how much weirder is it that they brought that manager character back? <laughs> like, like, He must've worked on the show or something. Cause it's like, why would you ever bring that character from the pilot back? <laughs> he didn't even do anything interesting in this episode.
0: Yeah. I, it was just
1: so random. Like, he, she literally didn't even need the manager to, like, make this plot work. <laughs> whatever. And
0: he didn't need to be the same guy who, like, no, gave can his to any There's a
1: million managers in L.A. I, don't but know, I do I feel don't know like,
0: why they do these things that they do. <laughs>
1: but I I, I don't know. For whatever reason, this felt like a nail in the coffin to me, to that type of episode. I, it really felt like... I have no I mean I know the nep- next episode is the faith one so I guess a little bit I'm right but they've got to have new characters coming any second now right
0: <laughs> I hope
1: you're right <laughs> I don't remember I don't remember when they show I'm up.
0: trying to remember and I know the next two episodes are more about faith so like that'll be a nice pleasant um mm-hmm. diversion from whatever this is but um I don't remember the ones after that so yeah but but I think you're right in that this is... We are getting towards the end of the slog here. Um, and it, yeah. And I don't... I, I This is so heartbreaking, honestly. Because, like, I don't remember having such a low opinion of season one of Angel. And there are moments that I always remember that I'm like... hmm Oh, actually, some of the, like angel moments that I think of fondly when I think of the show occur in season one. But, mm-hmm. like, watching it this way, I've just become so aware of how long it really took to find its groove. And I think I said this before, but, like, I'm honestly, in retrospect, like, shocked it didn't get canceled. Yeah. I mean, I think the Buffy fans must have been diehard
1: about this. Yeah. Like, we're
0: just going to watch it no matter what. I mean, I know I did, so.
1: And you're but, right that I don't remember hating season one when we first watched it. In fact, I I thought... And my my first impression of watching Angel was like, oh cool, this is a different like m- take on Buffy and their I, yeah. I remember feeling like it was a nice departure from the same format. Well, Whereas I now he- I find myself just longing for some similar format <laughs> of like just make this show about the core cast of characters and make it about an ensemble, and I don't care about all these once-off characters.
0: Yeah, but I think the difference is we watch two or three episodes at a time, whereas now we're watching one at a time, and so we, we could just kind of blow through the the so-so stuff and get to the good stuff.
1: It's true. I think part of it, too, is also, you know, obviously, like, we grow up, you know, people change. Not that, not that I feel like I'm watching this with more mature eyes or something, but, like, my tastes have changed and evolved over the years a little bit, and also that with the like golden age of television, there's just been so many more opportunities to see that other people can do this sort of anthology style better than it's being done here. And like now I'm, you know, now with what's that called? Um, Like hindsight, I think I can see that like, well, the things that make the Buffy verse great are not that. (laughs) So now when I'm watching it, it's like, oh, well, yeah, I could get that somewhere else if that's what I wanted. I'm watching Buffy because I don't want that. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, but it is interesting to think. I, I, I feel like I was probably just, you know, I was in a different place if you, I don't know how long ago we watched I don't want to, I don't want to count the years how the first time I watched this.
0: Um, it was probably the same year that we went to see Hugh Jackman perform. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want, I touched on this, but I actually think this is a kind of funny seed I don't know what to make of it, really, other than I think it's kind of realistic that... So at the beginning of this episode, we see Cordelia performing in this play, and she is god-awful. Can't remember her lines, delivers everything in a terrible voice. <laughs> but in the you know last episode, we saw her and Wesley convince some people that yes. they were police officers, and she was doing kind of a bang-up job of pretending of being an actress. And then at the end of this episode, she also... Kind of pointlessly does this like acting, you know, acts out this scene in front of Angelus to try and convince him she has holy water. But she totally sells it. You know, uh, I'm not sure that I buy would have stopped Angelus because like why wouldn't he just jump in mid speech? But but um, she's when has he ever jumped in mid speech? Yeah, fair enough. But, you know, it's clear that Cordelia does have acting chops. They just seem to only come out when her life is in danger or something. But something about that actually rings really true to me. You know, like there it does seem like maybe especially with acting, but with maybe other kinds of skills, too. It's like when you're thinking about it so hard, you just can't do it and you have to find a way to break down that wall between like a natural talent and like forcing it. I don't know. I kind of buy it, is what I'm saying. (laughs) I think you're
0: right, because I made note of that, too. Like, how is she so bad at acting when she was so good as the cop? But I think Mm -hmm. you're right. It's like she's not in danger on the stage, and the situation doesn't demand that she sells this role. So she's sort of overthinking, you know, the lines and her mannerisms, and Mm -hmm. it's really stilted, whereas, like, she totally convinces Angel with that, like, Mm made-up tirade about father whoever mm-hmm. coming to bless the water, so...
1: Or again, maybe it's because in those wor- in those situations she can draw on some sort of reality. I just feel like this must be something that they talk about in acting class, right? I don't know. I never have done theater. But I feel like there is always this element of, like, you have to break down walls of your emotions to figure- to get yourself to those, like, good places in acting.
0: Or, you know, you know the most effective... Thing is to draw
1: on your own exactly. experiences. Yeah. Like it's kind of it's probably the
0: same way where they say every the best lies have a little bit of truth. Yeah.
1: we're like so. in the moment she it's so much easier to draw on what's happening to her, but on stage she's not able to make that connection to like, oh, if I treat this like a time in my life, blah blah blah. Yeah. Anyway. But I liked it. I don't know. No, <sighs> it was
0: a good Cordelia episode.
1: As they all tend to be. It was a good Wesley episode, too. I liked getting that shot of him with his five o'clock shadow at the end of the episode. (laughs) 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 I believe that is a look he will return to later.
0: (laughs) You might be right. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh. Okay, so any more deep thoughts about Eternity?
1: I mean, again, I feel like this is just a last-ditch effort to make this noir Uh, a trope work in Angel as well. Like this feels like even more noir than the last couple ones that we've seen, but it just, I really hope that this is the episode that they filmed and were like, you know, this is just not working. (laughs) We've just got to do something else. It was a good idea.
0: That's the thing though, is that, you know, we forgive Buffy's first season because it was filmed in a vacuum in a way. Yeah.
1: This wasn't. And And it has so many more episodes, you know, yeah, Buffy was bad in a vacuum, but it was also only 13 episodes. How much time could they have had to work these kinks out?
0: Yeah. And this sort of feels like, you know, Joss Whedon running two shows and figuring out how to do that effectively. Mm -hmm. Like, it sort of feels as though there's a lot of hats, you know, running this thing and Mm -hmm. maybe they don't have the same visions and, like, they're trying to work out the kinks, but there isn't, like, one person overseeing everything all the time to make sure it's consistent. Yeah. That's my guess.
1: But... Um, You know, I do have a couple other thoughts, not deep thoughts, just thoughts. Um, It's still weird to me that Angel shows up in like photos and film. (laughs) It really seems like you should like whatever magics mean he's not in the mirror means he shouldn't be able to like be photographed outside, but whatever. Um, That's just a weird nitpick. I also think it's kind of in this episode, you know, Wesley is giving this whole explanation to Cordelia about how Angel doesn't want to be close to people, but then, you know, once Angel kind of it's, you know, he's interested in this woman for whatever reason kind of makes him seem shallow, but sure. It does, it does feel like he's inexperienced with closeness now, right? Like he's out of practice that, that he hasn't been close to anybody for decades except for Buffy. And even that one had like a, you know, he didn't like, he wasn't like super smooth when they first met, right? Like they just eventually spent enough time together that they fell in love or that she fell in love with him. But, like, with this one, it really does feel like he's going from zero to 100, right? Of, like, this is the first woman that he's been a little... Well, one of the first women that he's had any interest in. And instead of, like, testing the waters, he's like, let me tell you my entire backstory and everything about me. He's <laughs> like, okay, Angel, there's also, like, some middle ground between never talking to anyone and opening up and also telling them every detail of your backstory. <laughs> but well, I guess I think that... I
0: part of it was because she figured out the vampire thing, so... Like yeah, it but it wouldn't really have served him that well to lie. But no, it's
1: fine for him to tell her he's a vampire. But it felt like he got a lot more into things than he should have. Possibly, yeah. But I, I also think that that does make sense, right? That he's never practicing talking to people, and it is a skill that you can lose <laughs> or not have. But why did he like this woman? She was just pretty, right? They I really tried to sell the it.
0: darkness in her, right? Ugh,
1: that so that was kind of cringy. Yeah her whole, I'm not like other people is like, I, what do you want me to say?
0: (laughs) I think we've learned previously that going to the vampire well for eternal life is not your best bet.
1: It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I meant to think about that a little bit more about how does this relate, relate to that one? At least that guy had a, a much better reason to pursue this. You know, he, he takes it too far because he lets, he's not, he doesn't care at all about letting other people get killed on his way to immortality, but he at least was suffering from a real disease that was going to kill him soon. You know, whereas she was just literally doing it to be young and beautiful forever.
0: Yeah. She's just aging. Yeah. And not even that much. Like, it's, no, she says she's not 24. So like, maybe she's like 26, but like, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm not even 30 lady. Yeah. So, so let's see next week. We've got, Five by I just, five. I just looked this up. Where the Wild Things Are. Oh, yeah. Your favorite Buffy episode, favorite episode ever. My favorite episode.
1: I hate that episode. Ugh, and, I'm going to watch it through my fingers. Yeah. So and awkward.
0: as you said, five by five, which means Faith is back.
1: It'll be maybe the first time ever that we're more excited to talk about Angel than Buffy. Probably. <laughs> yeah. I do have a fun personal story about that Buffy episode, though. Oh, God, that sounds like a terrible tease, though. Oh, it's not anything kinky and weird, I promise.
0: You went to a house no. party that was oh. haunted
1: in that way? Do you, you know what I'm talking about, right? I think so. Okay.
0: Yeah, but maybe you'll surprise me, but yeah. I think I know. No, you know. Um, it is a fun uh, personal story.
1: Yeah. Uh, it has nothing to do with
0: the yeah. episode. Okay, so do you have any pop culture this week?
1: ugh, you know, we got a complaint about not having
0: any pop culture recommendations. Really? So yeah. Uh, Who complained? Uh, Jordan. Oh my god, Jordan. He emailed us it. to
1: be like, what is with this lack of <laughs> references or recommendations? Uh, it's called being busy. <laughs> I know. and It's a kind of a shame, too, because I actually do have one that I've been wanting to talk about for a couple of weeks. I just... Mm, I mean, I'll, I will get to it. The answer is that I want it to have been... I want to give a better explanation of it than just like, oh yeah, I keep meaning to talk about that, so I've been saving it until I can hopefully just be more um, connected to it when I'm talking about it. What I'm saying is I've been watching rewatching an old show, but I didn't watch it this week. So then when we get together to tape, I'm like, oh, I when, when I'm if we if I had watched one last night, I could have been like, oh, and then I have this other great thing to say about it. Anyway, that's a weird explanation. So all that said, <laughs> I have I don't have a good recommendation but I finally got to watch the newest season of Terrace House it's been out for like a month or two in the U.S. but I was waiting to watch it for a couple of other people to watch it with me um but I finally got to see it and it's so much better than the last season was last season was the one that was set in Hawaii and it was just a disaster it was like oh so painful um but this one they're back in Japan It's a lot more interesting out the gate. I mean, who knows if it'll stay this way or if it'll get weird again or whatever. But like all the characters are are characters. They're they're real people. (laughs) All of the cast people have been more interesting and more involved and more engaged. And there's been like some really sweet moments and there's been a lot of tension. So it's just been like a good mix of of people. It's nice for it to feel back in its stride a little bit. So, if you, if you, if some people still haven't watched any Terrace House, maybe they should, but start with Boys and Girls in the City. Cool. That was a pointed comment at you.
0: I know. <laughs> <laughs> One day I will. I, I, I think today I'm going to go to my DVR and delete half of what's on there because I yeah. think there are some shows that I'm, I've given up on. Like, I just, like, faced with the prospect of like four or five episodes, I just, like, I, I can't watch this anymore. Yeah. So. Um, looking at you, Arrow, <laughs> it, it got bad like two seasons ago, but as you know, I have yeah. a hard time quitting things. Mm-hmm. So I just like turn it on in the background and like go about my day, but I can't even bring myself to do that anymore. Yeah. Like I just can't care. In addition to that, I don't, I don't, I have something that I could do. I just don't know if I'm ready to yeah,
1: exactly. do
0: it. I think I'm going to wait until the season is done and then I'll give my thoughts on it. Okay. So people can just wait.
1: <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> yeah. It's not um, like you don't have anything to watch or read, Jordan. I know you're busy. I'm not quite done with it, but I've been reading Practical Magic, the novel that the movie is yeah. based on, which I didn't even, like literally everyone I've said that to, they're like, oh, I didn't know it was a book. And I was like, me neither. It's like not a lot of people knew that. It totally makes sense in retrospect, but I've, I've really been enjoying it. I obviously love the movie Practical Magic, as I think a lot of women that I know my age do. <laughs> it's a beautiful movie and I love it. Um, and the book has been a nice, like, it's, it's really hard cause I've seen that movie a lot. You know, it's not something I've saw once and like kind of remember. It's like, I've seen it in the, like a dozen times or so. Um, so it's hard to get it out of my head, but I'm still really enjoying the book and it's like different enough that I feel like I'm getting something out of it but not so different that it's like what did they do to them you know like they don't feel like different pieces of work they feel like oh that was a good movie adaptation of this thing that you couldn't obviously finish you can't fit the whole book into the movie so you made good choices but I'm really enjoying it um the daughters are a bigger part of the story and that's the part that's been the most interesting because it's like you really you don't get any of that in the movie so it's cool to see this like oh it's like there's a whole other story here waiting for me
0: <laughs> cool I think I'm gonna have to read that. I I I've been really. in. I think I did know it was a book, but I always forget because, I mean, the movie is just so
1: great. And now I can't wait. It's my favorite. I know. I was like, (laughs) I now I want to watch the movie, but it's just you can't watch that movie in the summer or the spring. It has to be fall, so I'll wait.
0: Or if you're in New England, you're allowed to watch it.
1: Yeah, Yeah, there's a lot of rules. (laughs) Uh,
0: Okay. Okay, so what team are you I on? Think this I think I
1: already made it clear. I am Team Riley. Oh, yeah. okay.
0: <laughs> I think I'm Team Jonathan this week. Oh,
1: that's also because a good he saw
0: what he wanted and he made it happen. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. also, he got Riley and Buffy back on a good place. So it's true,
1: and yeah. we love Danny Strong. Yes. Um, win, win, win.
0: Jonathan didn't make the right choices here, but no. he did, you know what, to be fair, he did not know about the monster, and yeah, that's true. when he discovered it, he was willing to sacrifice. It
1: does maybe set him on a dangerous path for the future, though.
0: Well, I didn't say I was Team Jonathan forever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we didn't really judge
1: on that, but Jonathan maybe this is week. not going to drop this magical habit of his...
0: No. Oh, well. But this week, I'm Team this Jonathan. That's Probably fair. for the last time. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Um, all right, I'll talk to you next week.
1: Okay, bye.
0: <laughs> Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny.
1: Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder.
0: And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have. And find us on Twitter and Instagram at
1: omwc podcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.